I'm Nick Harvey Doyle, an Anawan man from the northern tablelands of New South Wales. The Yarn podcast is made on the unceded land of the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong people. We'd like to acknowledge First Nations people as the first storytellers. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. From the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne, this is The Yarn. I'm Elliot Rodriguez. Today, we're bringing you three stories about the shortcomings of Melbourne's roadways and how to fix them. Stories about the life-changing and even life-saving potentials of transport engineering. It's the second episode of Hyperlocal, a series about the big issues impacting small communities in Melbourne. In our first story, Timothy Evitz investigates a long overdue plan to extend a tram line in Melbourne's northern suburbs. After a century of planning and decades of broken promises, residents are fed up with government inaction. I'm at the end of Gilbert Road in Melbourne's northern suburb of Reservoir. It's a tree-lined stretch populated by cafes, pharmacies and takeaway stores. It's also a busy thoroughfare connecting West Preston to Reservoir. You can hear the sound of cars behind me, but what you don't hear is the sound of a tram that's been planned for more than 100 years now. A tram that never arrived. I've been here 54 years. When we bought the house, the agent said, oh, you're going to have the tram here. That's Mrs Tina Casagrande, a resident from near the end of Gilbert Road. In 2006, she started a petition to have the number 11 tram line extended from its current terminus in Preston. I took 2,250 signature going around. Mrs Casagrande gave her petition to Michael Leighton, the then state member for Preston, to present to the Minister for Transport, but... You never did. I found out later on that he never represented my signatures. Vasilios Selkos also lives north of Regent Street, where the line has terminated since it opened in 1920, and has a personal connection to the tram. My father did drive the number 11 tram for many years. He started off as a conductor and then became a tram driver. My dad did talk about the extension, and it's been promised numerous times. The extension's been proposed for over 100 years now, with a map published by the Melbourne and Metropolitan Tramways Board in 1923, showing an extension to the end of Gilbert Road before heading east along Edward Street. We have an ageing population, we know this. It would allow them to be able to commute to the Edward Street shops, get their groceries, come back home. It would be very beneficial to many people. Jed Carney, the federal member for the electorate of Cooper, pledged $40 million of federal funding during a 2018 by-election, with a campaign video posted to Facebook stating... I'm thrilled to announce federal Labor will roll out stage one of the number 11 tram upgrade. This project will see the current number 11 tram route extended north, up Gilbert Road to the lake. Every election... The first thing they promise is the tram extended to the end of Gibbet Road. She's gone in Canberra and she forgot about the tram. She's got the vote. They're all nice when the, the election coming up, but then what they do, forget about you what you need. At the state level, at least, that's something that Nathan Lambert, the current member for Preston, disagrees with. I, I certainly don't think it's fair to characterise it as the government forgetting about them. I mean, it certainly would not be fair to characterise that for the residents of Reservoir full stop. But I think we should be clear that an extension of the Route 11 tram is not a commitment of this government. Mrs Casagrande said that two of her neighbours have died while waiting for the tram to be built, having been promised it decades before. 
many old people pass away. They never see the tram, and I think I'm going to pass away because I'm 86, and I'm still here 54 years living in this house, and I'm still waiting for the tram to come up. The latest federal budget did not include any funding for the extension. For now, as for the last 100 years. The next stop is Regent Street. This will be the last stop. That was Timothy Evitz. Next, Bridget Collier reports on a deadly intersection in Essendon North, a suburb 10 kilometres northwest of Melbourne CBD. The local word that goes around that you sit on the pub at the corner and you just wait for the prank because there is that many little incidents that happen. That's Mooney Valley Deputy Mayor Samantha Byrne talking about the North Essendon roundabout intersection. An elderly woman died in February after an accident with a tram at this very roundabout, just hours after a separate vehicle collision at the same place. Local Hamish Jones has started an online petition calling on council, state government and Vic Roads to address safety issues at the busy roundabout. I spoke with Hamish and asked him to describe exactly what makes this intersection so dangerous. Uh, it's the fact that there's so many different streets coming into that one intersection. You've also got um, pedestrian crossings, the fact that it's a 60 kilometre an hour speed limit and the trams coming through there as well. And can you tell me about why and when you decided to start the online petition? The most recent fatality accidents back in February was sort of what inspired me to start getting more active about it because it just seemed to be history repeating itself. There were similar problems back in 2019. Different levels of government keep talking about action being needed, but I don't think it's until the community keeps pushing that something will actually occur. Samantha Byrne says council understands the concerns, but the trouble is the high price it will take for those responsible to upgrade the intersection. It will take very advanced engineering solutions to fix this intersection. There is a tram that runs straight through a roundabout effectively onto a freeway. So it's a very difficult intersection and it won't be one that will be easy to fix. And we acknowledge that. We also acknowledge that it will be an expensive fix, but how much money can you put on a life which has now been lost? You can't. But do you feel that the concerns are being taken seriously or it's a budget issue or it's just too low down the priority list? There's always competing interest when it comes to budget bids. Unfortunately, we haven't seen a lot of interest from either of the local members. What do you think it will take really before they take action? There needs to be money invested into a detailed design of a solution that will fix it. That would be the first budgetary step and then the rollout of that in the subsequent year. We haven't even got the first step, to my knowledge. That was Bridget Collier. In today's final story, Xi'an Wang investigates recent efforts to make roads safer in Melbourne's northern and western suburbs. At the start of April, the speed limits of certain high-risk roads were reduced to 40 kilometers per hour. I'm on Queensbury Street, one of Melbourne's busiest roads, and is also one of the roads under the new speed limit. Now it's the peak commuting time. The roads are already blocked, and you can't even see the end of the line. The new roads have slowed down the flow of traffic, even when the light is green. In response to the speed limit, some people and drivers have expressed their views. They just want to care, like then reduce the accident rate, and then promote the awareness of road safety for pedestrian and driver. 
It depends, but I reckon the change is better. You know, sometimes children are crossing the road; they are vulnerable, so the new rules are more safe to them. Chris Alexi, associate professor in urban planning at University of Melbourne, similarly expressing the benefits of reducing speed. It's beneficial to reduce speed to 40 kilometers because that means that if there is an accident, people are less likely to die. <laughs> so they might get injured, but the injury will not necessarily be critical, and that's really important. However, with the implementation of the new regulations, there have been a number of complaints from drivers. Uh, we definitely slow down traffic, maybe by a little bit. Not sure like by how much, but going 40 kilometers in some areas, especially busy roads, yeah, it would definitely impact traffic and congestion.、Uh, I think if the car drives too slowly, the city will be stuck in traffic, especially during、uh, off work hours. I think this is not convenient for us. Crystal Lexi thinks that is a misconception. Congestion is created by the use of cars, and the more cars we have on the streets, the more congested they become. So congestion very rarely has anything to do with speed limits. Crystal Lexi said she is very supportive of reducing the speed limit. I think we should go right down to 10 kilometers an hour. She thinks the street should be more inclusive because I think roads should be shared、uh, equally by all users,、um, and that includes pedestrians and cyclists. So the slower the car drives, the safer the street becomes for everyone. According to the Royal Automobile Club of Victoria, based on a five-year analysis of cross statistics, there are 77 percent of pedestrian deaths and half of serious injuries on Melbourne's urban roads, where the speed limit is 60 kilometers per hour or higher. On the future of speed limit regulations, Crystal Lexi says that there's no one size fits all.、Um, so all streets. Serve different roles and purposes. We have to think really carefully and thoughtfully about which road should be for slower traffic and which roads should be for faster traffic. Therefore, we need to continue to think about how to develop the most appropriate measures for the streets to balance the needs of the residents and their safety. That was Xi'an Wang. A massive thank you to Timothy, Bridget, and Xi'an. The yarn is from the Center for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne. It is produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. This episode was produced and edited by Thomas Phillips. It was mixed and mastered by me. Our executive producer is Luisa Lim, and I'm Elliot Rodriguez. See you next week.